Welcome back to The Hot Dish. Uh, joining me again is a former senator, um, but really all-around great guy, Joe Donnelly from Indiana. It is great to be with you and with our special friend, J.D., here today as well. And uh, the whole goal is how do we make our country stronger? Yeah. Well, how are things in the Hoosier state? Um, they are good. We, uh, we continue to... Uh, uh, try to move the ball forward. I've, I've, uh, was recently at a, at a dinner we had for, uh, our war, what are called warrior scholars. And what they do is, um, this program happens to be at the university of Notre Dame. It is preparing veterans for college. And so we had about 15 to 20 and, uh, in effect, it's a college boot camp. And what's interesting is, you talk to these vets, and this is not a world that they had been part of for uh, for their lives. And so, they talked about how nervous they were being on campus, and and how they looked at it as, oh my gosh, how could we how could we do this? And I said, you have to understand, everybody on campus is looking at you, going, you're our heroes, yeah, and and absolutely. how could we ever do what you did? Because um, our veterans think of um, Afghanistan and Iraq and all all in a day's business to those folks and everyone on campus is looking at them going, oh my God, the incredible talent and ability and bravery mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I told the veterans, I said, look, you know, well, you can get through college. Don't worry about that. You got this figured out. One of the things that I want everyone to know about Joe Donnelly is no person was ever left behind and um, no one was a better friend to the veterans of this country. And so Joe, doesn't surprise me that you continue to engage and encourage and do everything you can for the men and women who wear the uniform and who take the uniform Well, off. it was great fun to be with them. They are uh, they are my heroes, and when they tell me to do something, I do it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like me, right? <laughs> That's right. Well, as most of you know here, um, if you've listened to The Hot Dish before, Joe Donnelly and I started a project called One Country Project, and you can find out more about us at onecountryproject.org. Um, but we've been expanding. Um, the folks who are interested and c- curious about what we're doing and um, looking at leadership from across the country, from different kinds of groups who uh, bring a more vibrant voice, I think a more kind of um, uh, expanded voice in rural America. And one thing that I think is the image of rural America is that it's older. And um, that's why I wanted J.D. to come and be on our board, J.D. Shulkin. Um, He is better known um, to many people in the Democratic field as the guy who almost beat Steve King in Iowa. But um, he has graciously agreed to join us and lend his millennial voice. He's also Um, known as one of the young guys on our board. (laughs) Well, he is the young guy on our board. But he also plays a sport that I love dearly, which is baseball. And so tell folks here uh, on on the hot dish, a, a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your resume, and how you got involved as a Democrat in politics. Yeah, so uh, I got my uh, being a Democrat from my parents, and my, when I was ten years old, all I wanted to do was play baseball or basketball. And God bless my mom; she. she for wanted, those of you who don't know, he's six six. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> our, our campaign motto is "Standing Tall for All." And so, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, when I was when I was ten, uh, my mom took me to go see Senator Harkin. And to this day, uh, Harkins uh, remains one of my uh, heroes. 
And um, so much so that my mom had a Harkin for Senate 1990 shirt. And so I, we both spoke at an event and uh, early on in my campaign, and I put it on. And when uh, uh, right before I spoke and I got up there, gave my uh, speech, went over, shook his hand. And then when he got on stage, he goes to J.D., anybody who has the same T-shirt for the last 27 years is a type of penny pinching Democrat that I like. <laughs> and uh, so after college, uh, my dad was a college baseball coach, played for him. I had a, ch- a chance to get drafted. I turned that down, transferred to the University of Nebraska, uh, ended up. Uh, playing on a team that made it to the College World Series. Mm-hmm. Most of my 20s played uh, minor league baseball. And then as uh, those days started uh, dwindling, I uh, uh, thought I was going to get a, a, uh, into the legal field, and I started working as a paralegal. And that uh, brought me up to Minneapolis and then out to Seattle. And when 2016 happened, uh, the election, I know I had to do something different. And in Seattle, kind of a dime a dozen out there. Mm-hmm. And I saw what happened back in Iowa, in the Midwest, and being a fifth generation Iowan, first to be raised in town, you really saw what happened in these rural communities. And they were going in what I think in the wrong direction in a lot of areas. And that's when I thought, you know what, I need to go back home and I need to fight. And then when I moved back home for a month, nobody was in this race. And that's when I said, you know, I can't sit on the sidelines. And I didn't know if I could raise five bucks. I didn't know a lot of things. I was pretty naive. And, <laughs> but I knew I could get out there to the people. And uh, just I have family members. I have, I have uh, friends. Uh, and my dad recruited baseball all throughout the mm-hmm. area. So I, I had a lot of connections, not necessarily political connections, but just connections. And, and that's how we got in our foot in the door and just a very strong grassroots campaign that just grew and grew and grew. And we moved the needle 24 points and almost got them, but we lost by three. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just want to say what J.D. represented in that race, um, faith and family and freedom and love of country is what Democrats are about. And what we want our rural communities to understand is um, those are the values that we stand for every day. And what we want our candidates to know is that's what rural voters are looking for. Well, and I think that the important part of of your campaign was that you didn't you didn't say look at him he's horrible he's horrible but look at what we can do differently for the people of rural Iowa what can we do differently for my generation that really wants to live in rural Iowa and is limited in terms of our opportunities and so um, I think the voice that you bring to our one country project is really that voice of the next generation of rural leaders and so um, if you if you you know you're in a unique spot right now because you're in the very heart of, you know, kind of presidential campaigns, and I'm sure you're getting a a lot of exposure. But at the end of the day, um, who wins Iowa is going to depend on who can motivate um, rural voters to come out and vote for them. So what advice would you give um, to the presidential candidates that are out there right now? Um, What advice would you give to anyone who are who, like you, is from rural, uh, from a rural place who's moving home and thinking about engaging in democratic politics? Yeah, what I'm seeing with the 2020 candidates, uh, if you can compete in an area like the 4th District, you can win. 4th District is Steve uh, King's district. Right. And you can win the presidency. I mean, you what we're seeing nationwide uh, and as a party, and I think that's a lot of things that you're standing up for and we're all standing up for, is uh, we got to go everywhere. We got to participate in every district and, and really uh, engage folks, uh, especially in these rural communities, because uh, what we're seeing is is 
people moving away, my generation moving away. What we're seeing are the jobs aren't there what they used to be, and and we're and the healthcare situation is just increasingly getting worse. And so, um, and, and uh, I appreciate what you saw in my vision, and that's what I'm telling these 2020 candidates. What's the vision? And and you can talk policy, and a lot of folks have come out with their rural policy, but it's having that vision because. Uh, what does uh, a certain policy that somebody came up with that they they tend to talk in in terms of Washington yeah. <laughs> and the vision is what people in Hinton, Iowa, the, and Spencer, the, Iowa. The, the, the vision is how will your life change? Exactly. It's not here. Here's the, all the five plans yeah. that I have, but <laughs> how will your life change if I am president of the United States or if I represent you in the fourth district? I mean, so so what? It, and it's not what's in it for me because that's too selfish for rural America. It's what's in it for our community. What's in it for our families? What it, what what's in it for our our future um, uh, and people. It's not nostalgia. It is. It is a commitment to their lifestyle and to their neighbors that I think gets really underplayed in Washington. Absolutely, and and I th- I'm sure it's in North Dakota and in Indiana. We have such great communities in Northwest Iowa, and uh, it's it's funny because I get these national folks. Uh, looking at some of the the data and saying like, oh, you you guys are pretty poor there, and we don't think we're poor, but our median income isn't very high, but we don't have a lot of expenses at the same time, um, uh, and, and so it, it's weird this national narrative of what people think matters to us with, and what I saw was getting out there and just asking folks. That's that's the big difference. You know, I think one thing that that we talk a lot about uh, happening in rural America is this self-selection. People who are more progressive, people who who are maybe more inclusive in their ideas of what we need to do to build our country. Um, you know, they say, "Look, I can't live in northern Iowa because no one thinks like me," and 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 that's not true. I mean, and and I think that having rural leaders, young leaders, come back and say, "I want to be part of growing this community." I want to be part of reflecting the values of this community is so critical. So let's say um, somebody like you wants to run in North Dakota, which is even tougher than your district. Um, We're a plus uh, 36, you're a plus 24. (laughs) I mean, what advice would you give to a future um, candidate running in a rural district? Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't know if I'm the correct person because I haven't won. You guys have won. <laughs> we also have lost. I know. <laughs> but but to me, uh, what I realized was uh, if don't get caught up uh, in what the national narrative is. Run as who you are and what your district's all about. And I think that was the number one thing. I fit my district really well. Um, and and that's. I think the thing that a lot of it gets lost upon, you're trying to be like this or you're trying to do like this or I shouldn't say that or just run as who you are. And, and I think that's what people get caught up on. And people, um, uh, that's what I saw. And we went to all 39 counties three times. The first time I, I went out there, I remember uh, they hadn't had a Democrat in a lot of these areas in a long time. And they're like, God bless you. Somebody should run against Steve King. Yeah. <laughs> the second <laughs> the second time it was more, oh, you're just not not Steve King. You're standing for something. And that third time, the same people who are a little ashamed of being a Democrat in these rural areas, we saw the yard signs and, and we out, we out yard signed him, <laughs> which I think is an amazing uh, feat in our district. And that just showed people got behind us and, and we, you saw the hope in people's eyes. And I mean, my district's one of those 
uh, I like to say that we're, a, to be honest, we're a flyover state and I'm the other district in Iowa. And, and it, the Democratic Party hasn't been there for a long time. And so I was very proud that we built we built something and now we're seeing these 2020 candidates in their campaigns taking what we built and, and continue to build. And I hope they can continue to pass the batons and, and uh, we change what's happening in Iowa. I think one of the one of the things that we see is this um, kind of and, and and Joe, I know you see it. People come up to you in those rural areas and they lean in. They go, "Don't tell anyone, but I'm a Democrat." And and uh, there's a whole lot of kind of um, because somebody isn't out defending, you know, what Democrats stand for: faith, family, you know, freedom, uh, our veterans, supporting our veterans, all of the things that we fought, that Joe and I fought for in the United States Senate. You know that that they've been told over and over again by talking heads on a, on cable news or by, you know, the kind of Twitter narrative that that's not who Democrats are. And 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 the, the whole thing about getting individual candidates out there, it's one thing to try and drive that message from the top um, where, where it's all this screaming, but it's another thing to drive that message from the bottom. And what we need, I think, to be successful long term is young candidates who are willing to go out there and talk about who they are. I mean, you know, you're probably seeing some of that growth in in Indiana as well. Right. It's absolutely critical, and it's absolutely critical that people understand their hopes and dreams are reflected by the Democrats that they see, that when a JD shows up, he can talk to him about um, when he's been to church. He can talk to him about the fact that he was over at the VFW, that um, he was at the American Legion, that, um, you know, for me, when I'd go in these communities, I would be just uh, leaving uh, the, the the turkey houses and the chicken houses and talking to the workers in those places and letting them know, look, um, I'm not uh, your Democratic senator. I'm Joe. Who has the opportunity well, but, to represent you? But you are Joe. I mean, you know, that's not just <laughs> yeah. phony. That's not somebody you know throwing a quote right. over their shoulder, pretending to be a man of the people. Anyone who knows you and Barbara Mikulski used to give you the greatest compliments. She goes, "That guy's just real, mm-hmm. just real." And and to she your and I core, both love Johnny Unitas too. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, let's turn to a little bit to presidential politics because we have an Iowa expert here with us. Um, yeah, JD, you did a great job uh, helping us co-host our watch party. Um, we had a watch party for one country with the county Democrats in, in Iowa. What did you hear from the Democrats there? Um, and uh, what advice would you have for candidates who in the next debate? What 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 would Iowans want uh, to hear more of? Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's almost less of because uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people are getting worn down with the what type of health care we're all for healthcare. Like we're the party of healthcare, and I think that's the narrative that that's missing a little bit. Um, a lot of uh, the folks that I've talked to, they don't they don't have a candidate yet. There's still three to five people. They're they're windling it down, but uh, uh, it's. I think people are wanting to see more and more of folks. And the, the thing that we talk about in Iowa, we're very spoiled, but uh, we say you, we really fall in love with somebody after the fourth time we meet them. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, but it's great. to. It, I just love the fact that they're coming out to Western Iowa where they didn't used to before. And um, just to see some of the campaigns and the infrastructure and the, how, how much they're building and putting a field organizer, not only just in Sioux City, but in Carroll and Denison and these smaller towns in the area. And uh, that's, that's the part that excites me. 
uh, with with the candidates. But uh, the event that we had was fantastic. We uh, I think planned on having about 45, 50 people. We ended up having 138. I heard the fire marshal <laughs> got a little upset with you. <laughs> uh, they tend to like me in that neck of the we're, woods. Yeah, so. <laughs> were, were, were people concerned about uh, about um, maybe a little too liberal of a message? Were they concerned about not hearing things that affected their life kind of more directly? I think what we were frustrated was we heard national stuff. Uh, well, I mean, it was a national debate, but like you hear things that don't necessarily affect what's happening in Iowa on a day-to-day basis. And and I think um, that's what you get when you have uh, the like the pundits being the moderators. Yeah. What what what, what I thought was interesting is healthcare. If 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 you if you had someone from rural America on the stage and they started talking about healthcare, you know what they said? That's all fine and good, and affordability is critical. And you know, but let's talk about access. Let's talk yeah. about rural hospitals closing. Let's talk about workforce that we can't get enough CNAs in our nursing yep. homes. Let's talk about where the rubber meets the road for us, yeah. which is affecting quality of nursing home care. You know, so so and affordability of of making sure your local hospital stays open. And so I think, you know, my advice was really understand that that uh, if healthcare is in crisis in this country, there's no greater crisis than in rural America. And Absolutely. this is a real opportunity for um, for folks to look at great models. We've got some great models in North Dakota, but it's not it's not everywhere. And so when somebody has to drive 40, 50, 60 miles to have a baby, yep. that puts them at risk. I mean, in Iowa Falls, uh, it was a decent sized town in, in my district. They lost the one OBGYN over the last year. Oh. Uh, How big is that town? Uh, about 5,000 people. And that's a, I mean, that's pretty significant. Maybe about 3,000. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, um, but, but the, like, things like that are happening throughout the whole district. Uh, up in Spencer, Iowa, I was talking to a woman. She just wanted to get a checkup, her regular annual checkup. It was three months for her to get in. And so she decided to drive to Sioux Falls and get it done uh, and pay out of network. And, and it's our, these things aren't helping people. And, right. and, and, the, and these aren't challenges that you would have in downtown Manhattan when right. you could walk to a hospital at the corner. But, you know, what 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 we have is, I think, um, a crisis of access. And we've got to get this fixed. If we it, it, when we lose our hospital, you know, we used to say this in, in North Dakota. If you lose your school and you lose your health care, you lose your community. Yes. Because your your seniors can't afford to live there. And parents don't want their kids on a bus for an hour and a half every day. Mm-hmm. And and these are challenges that that um, we'd love to hear the Democratic Party address in the next Absolutely. debate. I mean, uh, when I drive around, I drove an RV around our whole district, and uh, I kept the ethanol industry alive and well. <laughs> uh, uh, when I stopped at a gas station, though, every a gas station had a donation box from someone who just got sick, someone who just got in an accident. And again, we're the wealthiest country in the world, but we can't take care of our own people. And uh, and these medical costs, uh, the way the uh, insulin, my we have a family friend who's 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 struggling with her diabetes, and it's just it's it's frustrating. Uh, we need to find solutions, and I and the Democratic Party has solutions, where the Republican Party um, well, not only doesn't want the status quo, they want to. Take it away. Well, we're hoping people are listening because the next Democratic debate is on July 30th and 31st, um, the two debates. Um, I think that uh, hopefully our candidates will be looking more at uh, talking about kind of specific rural challenges. Um, I think it would go over well with Iowan 
uh, people who vote uh, in the Iowa caucuses. And and obviously, I, I the, the other question that I get asked quite a bit is, you know, Iowa isn't even on the map for presidential competition. And I say, you've, you, you, you know a different Iowa than I do. Right. I mean, we won Obama twice. Yeah. And, and once by double digits and the other, I think, by seven or eight. And yeah. so uh, for it to flip to 10 to Trump, that was pretty eye-opening, and that's what got me off the couch. Yeah, um, and hopefully that's what got you uh, a seat at our board uh, for <laughs> one country. Which uh, I'm a complete honor to be able well, to do this. Well, the honor is ours, yeah. and just remember what an important voice that you provide. Joe and I are kind of the the old hat politicians, <laughs> uh, kind of um, trying to trying to leave a legacy of, of opportunity in rural America. And, and we're just so proud to have you with us working on this because you represent the future. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> have a good one. You too. Thank you so much for joining us for episode two of The Hot Dish. And we hope that you all will follow us on Twitter at underscore one country, all one word, underscore, or join us on uh, the internets at onecountryproject.org.